0: You are Locked On Chargers,
1: your daily podcast on the Los Angeles Chargers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is up and welcome into the On Chargers Podcast. I'm your host, Daniel Wade, joined as always by my co-host, David Drogemeyer, And on today's show, we also have John Kegley in with us, one of the original members of the show, here to break down this Super Bowl coming up this weekend. Super excited about that. But first, we are three riders who got our start at San Diego Sports Domination, San Diego's top sports blog, We've been covering the Chargers now for over six seasons during our own Facebook Live show, Chargers Domination Live, which airs weekly during the season, and now this is our fourth season as the host of the Locked On Chargers podcast, bringing you your team every day. All right, guys, well, welcome in. A special thank you to everyone who is checking out the show for the first time, and another special thank you to all of our loyal fans for checking back in with us again. On today's show, we are going to be getting into a lot of Justin Herbert. Justin Herbert did take home the... Pepsi sugar-free Rookie of the Year award in the NFL, beating out Justin Jefferson. So we're going to start there and talk about also the case for Justin Jefferson, who had a ridiculously good season as well. I'm not here for, you know, putting him down. But I would say that Justin Herbert definitely deserved it. And we'll also talk about, you know, where he kind of gave some of that credit and what he said that Brandon Staley reaching out to him, even in his busy schedule, meant to him on a personal relationship level. And then the second segment, we'll be getting into more Justin Herbert, Because not only did he join the Pat McAfee show and have some really funny things to say earlier on Thursday, but he also joined Austin Eckler on a live Twitch stream playing Fortnite, which was actually pretty damn funny as well. He talked about how far he could throw a football. They talked about having a cook off against each other on Pat McAfee's show. He talked about, you know, Tyrod Taylor getting a golf tee stuck into his lung. So much to get into there. But then to wrap up the show, we are heading into the biggest football weekend of the year. And we're going to be getting into the Super Bowl, Super Bowl 55 between the Bucks and the Chiefs, and we'll get into you know, what we kind of think is going to happen in that game. Some players that some people might not be thinking about that could play a big role in whoever ends up winning, and also just give our predictions for the game as well. John's pretty good at predicting Super Bowl games, so we'll see if he can uh, keep his strong showing going. I think this is a very hard Super Bowl to pick, honestly. I think it, it could be a really, really good game, but let's go ahead and get into it. If you guys were watching throughout the season, you would know that Justin Herbert won just about every Offensive Rookie of the Week award, the Pepsi Rookie of the Week award. Every time he was on it, he won it, and he tied Brent Moethlisberger for the most wins of that award in the season with nine. And then on Thursday, it was announced that he also won the Pepsi Rookie of the Year award. And I think he absolutely deserved it. I mean, it's regardless of position, David. So this was something that could have gone to an offensive player or a defensive player. It ended up coming down to Justin Herbert versus Justin Jefferson. And it is funny because this is something that, you know, fans ended up being able to vote on, and the Chargers, without a fan base, you know, that's the stigma that's out there with them every single time they had a chance to vote this guy or even isaac rochelle with the walter payton man of the year award they got out there they voted they retweeted and they got the job done and justin herbert got something he absolutely deserved with the fan vote or not being the best rookie in the nfl in 2020
2: yeah no question about it i also think it's funny how you know a fan base with the chargers who's not supposed to have the type of numbers goes out and votes for justin herbert every time he's eligible And not only does he win, but he wins in a landslide every single week. It seems like it's like an 80-20, 95-5. I mean, even if Justin Jefferson has tremendous weeks, if it's going up against Justin Herbert, forget about it. I mean, the Charger fans came out in full force in support of Justin Herbert week after week after week. Not to say that Justin Herbert did not earn that support, because he did, obviously. We know that watching what he did on a week-to-week basis, how historic the numbers he put up were. Uh, And, I mean, it was just a tremendous uh, rookie season for Justin Herbert. I mean, you can't take away anything from Justin Jefferson, but, I mean, he broke almost every single conceivable record for a rookie quarterback. I mean, he earned this award, Daniel. I mean, it wasn't just – I mean, I know it was a fan vote award, but I think this is one of those rare situations where the fan award – and the actual award are going to
1: synchronize well, and the chargers aren't known for winning popularity contests by any means and i do think you're right and i do think that justin jefferson you know had an incredible rookie season i mean 1400 receiving yards 88 receptions seven touchdowns most rookie receiving yards of all time and That's great and all, but, I mean, Justin Herbert has a few, you know, most ever by a rookie of all time. I mean, most touchdown passes, most total touchdowns, most completions. I mean, there's just so many things that you look at, and especially – for being, you know, a quarterback who's going up against rookie quarterbacks that have turned into great players in this league, he just set himself apart in that sense. And I do think he absolutely deserved it. I do think both of them had a good case. And I think in most years, Justin Jefferson would have probably won it, John. And I don't think you should take anything away from him. He went out and congratulated Justin Herbert on the award. But do you think they got it right going with Justin Herbert over Justin Jefferson?
0: I would say yes for the one reason that. Herbert did it with a horrible offensive line, some bad coaching, and yet somehow, someway, he still got all those numbers set to him. I mean, as a wide receiver, it's pretty easy to run your route. You should be wide open get your stuff. But as a quarterback, there's so many things that have to go right for you. You have to have offensive line to allow you to make plays. You have to have a coach that makes a game plan so that you can actually make have a play to make or else you're just going to be getting sacked or throwing interceptions all the time. And then the fact that he played with guys that aren't just Keenan Allen and Mike Williams. He had all these other guys that were undrafted free agents, even guys from the XFL, and he still made them look good as well. So I think they did get it right.
1: Yeah, he elevated the play of his teammates, and I do think that is something – That can't be overstated. I mean, he got the most out of not the best offensive play calling. And that's the funny thing, too, is I've seen people, oh, well, they threw all the time every game. A lot of that is garbage time, not realizing that the Chargers were ahead in almost every game. And there was no garbage time because they were too busy, you know, running the clock out or attempting to and failing at it. And just not even really letting Justin Herbert have the ball in his hands in the fourth quarter until too late in the season. And what does he do in the last four games? He gets three game winning drives, including a walk off against the Raiders in overtime I mean there's just so many memorable moments for Justin Herbert, and to have him potentially even being held back by the coaching staff to some extent and I don't want to you know undersell you know what Pep Hamilton did for Justin Herbert. and he you know talked about that a day when he got the award and on Pat McAfee show just staying late with him and actually working with him just telling him hey you You don't know when your time's going to come, but you're going to be ready for it. I think all those things are nice, but the way that they used Justin Herbert wasn't always in his best interest, and obviously not the team's best interest either, and they learned later on, hey, if you need something to happen, keep the ball in Justin Herbert's hands. But one of the things that he's already talked about with the new coaching staff that he really appreciates is just the fact that Brandon Staley, even with his busy schedule, has still reached out to him a couple of times, David, and we talked about that when he was hired and just talking about, yes, he's a great communicator. He wants to build those personal relationships. So far, he has followed up with that. And for a guy like Justin Herber, who's a little bit reserved, I would say, I think that's so important for him. That's what we were saying, and it seems like that is paying dividends already because you can tell that Justin Herbert very much appreciates that, is very much looking forward to what these two are going to be able to do together.
2: Yeah, I mean, especially considering that Justin Herbert has had a different head coach, a different offensive coordinator pretty much every year of his professional and college career. I mean, to have a new coach you know, who had just got hired, who I'm sure has in a, at the time was in a whirlwind of trying to put his staff together and still tried to you know build other relationships for him to reach out to his rookie you know his young quarterback and say hey you know I just want to touch base with you and let you know that you know I'm going to be you know the the captain of the ship here I mean you're extremely important to me and, and our success I'm going to build a system around you I just want to make sure that you know how important you are and to just you know start that, that dialogue and that relationship immediately I think you know that's. Uh, Brandon Staley putting his money where his mouth is and I think what we've seen is that authenticity through Brandon Staley through his words that uh, he's backed it up with his actions the things that he has said he has he's went out and done so he's starting off on a good foot and you know obviously he understands that Justin, Her- Justin Herbert's success is the Chargers
1: success
0: well and he also took the time to talk to Herbert about Herbert's family so he's not just yeah they didn't talk about
1: it. football which is pretty surprising
0: He's not coming out there going like, "Okay, hey, I'm your, I'm your coach. Here's what we're gonna run." He's like, "Hey, man, I care about you. How's the family doing?" Like, he's showing a connection, not just a communication, a connection. The connection is what's really gonna make this guy want to run through a brick wall for you, and really make like that father figure type of thing. For a lot of these players, the head coach is a father figure for them. There's those few players that are just like, "I don't care. I'm just here to get my money." I don't really care about anybody else, but for the most part, the head coach is your father figure type of guy, and if you build that connection, they'll play their hearts out for you, and then when they retire, they will always want to phone call you and come see you and thank you for the career.
1: Absolutely, and another great part of that is, John, is just that these players go through a lot, right, and I mean... If you're only talking to them about football, maybe they don't think they should call you when they might get in trouble or something like that is happening. I mean, if you're having that open communication with these guys, they're going to feel like they can kind of come to you with everything or anything and just, you know, speak their mind to you whenever they need to. And I think that is so important. And so many of these coaches in the NFL, I know Martellus Bennett just came out and just said, you know, how big the ego is on a lot of these coaches out there that you might not see. This guy just really seems to have that contained in Brandon Staley, and he does seem pretty humble. And even just in the video where he's like asking Derwin James, Hey, did you get to meet my family yet? You know, like he's seeing Derwin James walk in, who's just a freak who's going to be, you know, awesome under Brandon Staley. And he's like, Hey, did you meet my family yet? Like, I think that's so genuine from him from what we've seen so far. And yes, that doesn't make you a great football coach. But as far as having relationships, having guys want to buy in, having guys want to stick around, I think all of those things are so pivotal. And it seems like Brandon Staley sets himself apart at that point. Just look at the Bobby
0: Ross situation when the Chargers went to the Super Bowl. Bobby Ross is not considered the, a great coach in NFL history by any means. But he had a connection with those guys, and he got every little inch out of those guys, and they get them to go to the Super Bowl. The Chargers Super Bowl team is by no means a all-time great team. Like I don't even think it makes the Chargers like top seven teams in their history. Like that team willed themselves together, and that was all because they respected and wanted to fight for the coach.
1: Yeah, and I do think that, I mean, it means a lot to these players because football is hard. Like, you get hurt. Yeah, things are not easy when you're going to training camp and all of these things. Like, it's not a fun time for these guys a lot of the time, but it makes it a lot easier when you have a guy that you want to play for. So, I think you are getting some of the leadership and those things that you got with Anthony Lynn while also getting more of that personal relationship with Brandon Staley. But we do have two more segments to get into. We're going to talk about Justin Herbert. Twitch streaming Fortnite as well as showing up on the Pat McAfee show and saying some pretty funny stuff. Pat McAfee did a good job getting some good stuff out of a guy that we know doesn't like to say anything during press conferences. So we're going to get into all of that coming up right after this. But first, I need to tell you guys that if you're trying to find a way for you to get your workouts in at home, there's only one place to do it, and that is Echelon, because Echelon can get you there, whether you're trying to stick with your New Year's resolutions or you're just trying to get in shape while being quarantined in your house and you can't go out as much. The best thing to do is to get with Echelon because Echelon offers the next generation of connected fitness bikes, fitness years rowing machines and their echelon stride smart treadmill no matter what your favorite fitness activity echelon gives you a fun and challenging workout from the comfort of your own home they will also beat your ass a little bit too if you're not careful make sure you don't have any big plans to go do anything after you work out with all of the trainers that they have world-class instructors that will motivate you because you will be so sore a couple of days later you might not be able to walk straight so just something that i've learned that i should definitely tell you guys as well because they will work you out that's a promise but Right now, you guys can try any Echelon Fitness equipment at home for 30 days. Just go to echelonfit.com slash locked on. That's E-C-H-E-L-O-N fit.com slash locked on. So there wasn't a ton of Chargers-related stuff that was happening on Thursday, but it did seem like Justin Herbert was everywhere. I mean, he was on the Pat McAfee show. He also did a Twitch live stream with Austin Eckler playing Fortnite, which is something I didn't think... That I would see. Andy didn't even have a skin on his character, so I'm guessing he's not playing Fortnite very much. But one of the things he did talk about when he was playing with Austin Eckler, and Austin Eckler was just absolutely destroying him. But Justin Herbert, to his credit, did get a W for the team on Fortnite, got the last kill for the win after Austin Eckler already died. Andy is much better than Stephon Diggs was. I feel pretty confident saying that. But one of the things that he talked about, John, is Growing back the hair, and I know that's something that's super important to you. So I know that you know. When I heard that, I was like, "What is John Kegley going to think? How excited is John Kegley going to be that Justin Herbert is getting the flow back?" Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, I I don't know. He played his best he, football maybe with short hair. I don't know. Could be tough.
0: Exactly. Like I don't know how I feel about this now. because after he cut the hair, it's like we started winning. We started seeing him. Like, the, the team pull it together. I don't know. Like, is the hair a distraction? Is it like that golden boy that all the people just can't stop staring at his hair? When our defense is on the field, they're over there looking on the sideline going, oh, man, I don't know what's going on over here, but I love that hair. But, right. And then he cuts it. Everybody's like, okay, back to football. I don't know. <laughs>
1: but, well, do you think he could throw a football 75 yards? That was actually from McPhee, the hair thing. But on the Twitch stream, he did say... He can throw a football seventy-five yards, which I think most people might not think is crazy, but that's pretty ridiculous.
0: You no, know, I think he probably could. Uh, You'd have to think he's probably era.
1: underselling himself a little bit too, because it's Justin Herbert.
0: Yeah, but I mean, the new this new era of quarterbacks—it's kind of like in the NBA when you see how many three pointers are getting made nowadays. Even centers are making three pointers. It's kind of the same thing with the NFL. Like almost every quarterback's able to throw some around seventy, seventy-five yards. That are coming out of college now, they all just have this freakish arm strength. So I- I'd believe that he could probably do it. I know for
1: sure. I think Tua he's underselling. Honestly, throw seventy-five yards. I don't think so.
2: You don't think he can, Tua? Oh
1: yeah, I don't think so.
2: Yeah, I'm sorry. I I think that would be uh, that would be a sight for me. But for Justin Herbert, I I think for sure. I, I think. You know, especially with his nature about how reserved he is and how, you know, he's not the boastful type, I think he could probably throw more than 75 yards. I think he was just putting an equitable number out there for people to to believe. But I would think he could probably throw a little more closer to 80 85, to be honest. I mean, seeing some of the deep balls that he was able to uncork this year and just how effortless they looked, even some of them on his back foot, I was like, yeah, this guy has a, a
1: natural rocket. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, John. what John's saying is definitely true. I mean, there are some big-armed guys out there. Even, like, Russell Wilson doesn't have the best arm, but the way he throws it with the arc, all those things, I'm sure he could make it pretty far. Uh, but, I mean, really what impresses me from Justin Herbert isn't even just the deep balls. It's the throwing on the run to the left side to Keenan Allen when there's a defender an inch away from him. It's those kind of throws where you're just like, oh, damn, like that's not a throw that's supposed to be there on that line. It's not supposed to get there so quickly, and we saw him uncork a couple of those. But another thing that was pretty funny from the Pat McAfee show is they were talking about Justin Herbert getting into his first game against the Chiefs, and then how Pat McAfee phrased it was kind of the funny part because he's like, yeah, I mean, you're going up against the Chiefs, then all of a sudden, you know, a golf tee goes into your starting quarterback's lung and now all of a sudden you're in the game and you could just tell it was taking everything that Justin Herbert had not to laugh right there and then Pat McAfee commended him and said oh you're good and we all know what Justin Herbert I mean he knows how to get into quarterback speak and all that David but it was pretty funny the story he was talking about because he said he went out to the huddle and, and he wasn't even sure if Tyrod Taylor was hurt at first they were like were they just like, you know, not telling me on purpose and just like going to throw me out there? But then he finds out obviously he's injured, but he goes out to the huddle and then Hunter Henry just looks at him and goes, hey, hey, what are you doing out here? Right. I just thought that was so funny. He was like, hey, you're not supposed to say that to me when I'm like about to go into such a big moment.
2: Yeah, well, I mean, I think it caught Hunter Henry off guard, too. I mean, going into this game, I'm sure they all expected Tyrod Taylor to be out there. So when Justin Herbert comes strolling into the, you know, strolling into the huddle, flocks flowing, I'm sure all of them are like, what? What the hell is he doing out here? Uh, But, I mean, he goes out there and and he just balls out. I mean, but what what a hell of a story. I mean, imagine coming into that situation and you hear, you know, (laughs) one of your young star players say, What are you doing here? What do you mean? What am I doing here? I'm here to win. I'm here to play. I mean, and hey, to his credit, he goes out there and he plays some extremely good football against, you know, the defending Super Bowl champions.
1: Yeah. And he said one of the moments where he felt like he earned the respect of his teammates during the Pat McAfee show, too, was the moment when he depleted the linebacker. And it's hard for me to say that because they both, you know, looked like they got in a car crash. On that collision on that sideline in Justin Herbert's first game, but Justin Herbert bounces up and the other guy's just on the ground out for the game with a concussion. You're just like, Jesus. As Austin
2: Eckler put it, he cuckooed that guy.
1: Yeah, no, for sure. And then he said that he goes back and Austin Eckler's like, Hey, Justin, are you okay? He's like, Oh, yeah, I'm good. Like, let's keep going. And he thinks that's, you know, when the guy saw how tough he was, he wasn't just this golden boy with the long flowing hair. This is a football player who loves playing football. He got the respect of those guys, and obviously another person he gave a lot of credit to, John, is Pep Hamilton. And He just talked about a little bit how much he helped him, you know, staying after practice with him, and also just getting him prepared to go into that first game whenever that fa- whenever that was going to come. And how many times do you hear players saying, you know, right, when my opportunity comes, I'll be ready for it. It's one thing to say it. And another thing to do it. And in this case, he came in and it was a seamless transition and the Chargers' offense was instantly better. And a lot of that credit has to go to to Pep Hamilton.
0: Without a doubt, it does. Especially when you have a coach who's willing to stay the extra time with a player after practice. That's a lot of love for a player. That's a lot of commitment. You're not going to see a lot of coaches that do that. Some of them come in, they just do their time and then they leave and they go do whatever they want to do, just like a lot of the players do their You know those NFL players that are like the last to come in, but they're the first to leave because they want to hurry and get back home, play Xbox, whatever. Mm -hmm. With the coaches, when you're willing to stay after practice to get a young rookie who's probably not going to get any playing time this year ready, that shows commitment, and players respect that a lot. There's a lot of love that Herbert's going to have for him for the rest of his career just for that extra effort, and it ended up paying off because – without even any notice he's in the in the game he's starting and pep got him ready for that without even knowing it was going to happen
1: yeah i mean he did such a good job but that's one of the bummers about him moving on is just that he couldn't have used that to kind of give himself a better opportunity with another team potentially as an offensive coordinator or something like that now he has to go to the texans and that dumpster fire maybe the best advice pep hamilton told Justin Herbert is hey You're not as fast as you think you are. Most of these defensive ends out here are just as fast as you are. And you could tell that went through Justin Herbert's mind a couple times when he was out on the field. But that also just reminds me of the time when Justin Herbert, you know, I think it was fourth and eight, ended up running for a first down. And then the video, you just see, like, the biggest smile on his face out there as he's, you know, in the middle of a game where grown-ass men are trying to take his head off. And he's out there just cheesing down the the sideline absolutely i mean it it was just awesome you can just tell how much he loves the game but that's enough about justin herbert because the big dance is coming up we have one more segment to get into and we're going to be breaking down the super bowl talking about some underrated players potentially in this game that could have a big impact how we think the game's going to go and much more coming up right after this but first i need to tell you guys that the official betting sponsor of the locked on podcast is betonline.ag there's only one more football weekend guys it's the super bowl it's on sunday and betonline.ag has all of the best bets for the super bowl including the best prop bets so if you want to guess which coach is going to have their mask fall off first. If you want to guess what color the Gatorade is going to be or what the opening coin toss is going to be and if that team is going to receive or defer. I mean, basically anything you could want to bet on in this game, you'll be able to bet on with betonline.ag. And for me, I love the props. I love going in there and just finding the craziest ones and the wackiest bets to put some money on. Maybe I'm done for doing that. But those are the ones that if it hits, that feeling is going to be so good. And especially in a game like this where I don't really want either team to win. The extra prop bets on the side are definitely going to give me a reason to be extra interested in this one. And there's only one place that has you covered and one place that we trust, and that's betonline.ag. Just go sign up today for a free account and use the promo code LOCKEDON, and you can get a 50% welcome bonus. That's free money to bet with at betonline.ag. Just don't forget to use the promo code LOCKEDON for that 50% welcome bonus. All right, guys, well, it's time to get into the Super Bowl 55 preview. We always talk about the Chargers, and there's not often times where we get to kind of stray off and talk about a couple of other teams, but in this case, in the Super Bowl are two teams the Chargers are very familiar with because the Chargers played both of these teams this season, and the crazy thing is, David, and the thing that hurts a little bit, Pat McAfee has said, hey, you know, you beat the Chiefs, they win the Super Bowl, now you're the Super Bowl champions. I'm not going to go that far, but the crazy thing is is that the Chargers should have beat both these teams, and I'm not counting the game against the backups the last week against Kansas City, but even with Patrick Mahomes, even with Tom Brady and both of these teams at full strength relatively, the Chargers blew leads against both of these teams early on in the season, and I think that's kind of crazy to think about as they both match up in Tampa for Super Bowl 55. It's really
2: frustrating, honestly. Mm-hmm. It, uh, in the last several years, I think no other team in the NFL has played the Chiefs as closely or as hard as the Chargers. By the Raiders. Most of those games. I mean, yeah, maybe the Raiders, but a, a lot of those games, the, the Chargers are right there. They're right in it. Like, And the Chiefs are used to blowing people out, I mean, regularly. They've done that to many other teams, but it seems like the Chargers are always right there and this was another year where the Chargers very well could have beaten them twice, and yeah, I don't, I don't count the backup game either. I mean, that was you know they had nothing to play for. Of course they didn't have anybody in, but that first game they had a lead and they let it slip again. They another you know the, those game time game management decisions came back to haunt them in that game. But yeah, and against the Bucks too. I mean they were slinging it the first quarter or the first half they had a couple of long bomb touchdowns and you're like okay i mean this this is looking good and then of course you know like most of the losses that the chargers had they just couldn't finish and that was one of the things one of the the themes throughout the year is getting a big lead getting up on an opponent but just not being able to put them away and that's why these two teams are in the super bowl because they found a way to get that done and the chargers have not
1: yeah i mean and the crazy thing about this season is that if the Chargers win those two games, Anthony Lynn still has his job. I mean, right? If you beat the Kansas City Chiefs twice, if you go 9-7, and seven, you beat the Buccaneers as well. Anthony Lynn probably still has his job. He would have been 35-29 and 29 overall as the Chargers head coach. So those blown leads pretty much cost Anthony Lynn his job to some extent. Obviously, all the clock management and the bad things that happened to lose them, those games also had a huge part to do with it. But John, obviously these are two teams that we're a little bit familiar with. They're two teams that we had to scout during the season to kind of preview the matchups against the Chargers. So when you're looking at this game, a lot of people are going to look to Patrick Mahomes versus Tom Brady, right? Tyreek Hill versus Mike Evans and Chris Godwin and Antonio Brown and Travis Kelsey and all of the big names. But is there a player that might be flying a little bit under the radar that you think could have a big impact on this one?
0: Well, uh, for Tampa Bay, I would say that would have to be uh, Sean uh, Murphy-Bunting, who has had an interception in every single playoff game this season. And there's got to be somebody to turn the tide with that Chiefs offense. And it's got to be Sean Murphy-Bunting. And for the Chiefs, I'd have to say it's got to be McCole Hardman with Tampa Bay more than likely going to be trying to shut down Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey, and good luck. Yeah. There's got to be that one guy that flies under the radar in that game plan that makes the plays to keep the offense going, and it's got to be McCole Hardman. With all that speed that he has, a simple wide receiver screen or a reverse or even a deep throw could change the whole game. Once the Buccaneers think they got everything figured out, here comes McColl Hardman. I think those are the two it guys that we're really to focus week, on.
1: Or in the last game, it happened.
0: After he muffed the punt, too. Yeah. After he messed up the punt, he comes in, he takes a reverse, and he takes it for, like, 51 yards. Sounds and then like he gets a wide receiver screen for the touchdown, and the whole game's different now.
1: Yeah, I would say that my under the radar a guy for the Chiefs would probably be Juan Thornhill because I think, you know, Tyron Matthew has been really, really good for them. He's kind of like Troy Palmolo, even a little bit of Ed Reed where they're not always going to be where they're supposed to be. And that's a nightmare for opposing quarterbacks because you don't know where they're going to end up. And that's how they always end up making big plays. But I think Juan Thornhill has made such a big difference for them back there. He had the play a couple of weeks ago, going man to man coverage on a wheel route and just had perfect coverage. And just, I saw, wow, I mean, that guy's man to man skills off the charts. And he is a guy that I really liked coming out of that draft. I thought the charges might go with him instead of Nazir Adderley, and I think that is paying off for them. On the Buccaneer side, I mean, it's hard. I think Ryan Jensen would be my guy, just because I like a good old-fashioned mean center. I mean, that guy wants to just rip your face off, and that's something I can respect. I mean, you want your offensive line to go rip somebody's face off, and that's what that guy wants to do, playing through the echo of the whistle. And that is not at all just because the Chargers have a terrible offensive line that I would say that, but... Let's get into our picks, guys. I mean, this is a really, really tough game for me to decide. It's a three-point game according to the spread at BetOnline.ag. The Chiefs are the favorite. Obviously, the Buccaneers have a home field advantage for what it's worth for the first time in the history of the Super Bowl. But, David, when you're looking at this game, if you had to put money on it, if you're getting on your BetOnline.ag account... And you're putting all your money on somebody. Who is it?
2: It's funny how you uh, <laughs> that you phrase it that particular way, Daniel. Because it's almost like we had a conversation uh, before recording that I put all of my free play money on one of these two teams. Uh, oh, wait, that's because I did. So looking at this matchup obviously you have two very explosive offenses so to me it comes down to the defenses who's going to be able to get that one stop who's going to be able to get pressure on the other side quarterback you know you have one quarterback in Tom Brady who just doesn't move around but gets rid of the ball extremely quickly and then you have Patrick Mahomes who can make every throw out there and extend plays with his legs it just who is going to be able to get that stop on defense so for me I think that the Buccaneers have a better pass rush, and I think they're going to be able to get home a little bit more. And I put all my money on the Bucs because there's no way I can possibly – Put anything or root or vote or have anything to do with the Chiefs because they're in the AFC West. So I'd much rather just see Tom Brady get another ring, ho hum, the greatest of all time gets another ring before that young guy, Patrick Mahomes, gets his second. I just don't want to see that. So for me, I'm going with the Buccaneers. And if I'm putting a score on it, I think it's going to be relatively high scoring. I'm going to go 34 31. Buccaneers in the Super Bowl, and they get the win.
1: I believe the over-under is 56 for this one. So David is saying hammer the over in this game. Life is too short to bet the under. And I do think the defense going up against that offensive line is going to play a huge factor in this one. And what Ryan Tracy, the host of the Locked On Chiefs, said was, you know, we're talking about all the offenses, but it's probably what defense is going to actually create some turnovers, which, you know, if it's Sean Murphy bunting, maybe he gets his fourth consecutive game, with a turnover, and then he's able to really change the game in that way. But, John, when you're looking at this one, I think you said you're 11-5 and in your Super Bowl picks all the time. If I read your Facebook status correctly, where are you going to try to make it 12-5? and
0: Well, with this game, I think it's going to come down to Patrick Mahomes. Is he going to be able to make the plays or not? I think he controls this game just because of his ability to get out of the pocket and make the weirdest throws you've ever seen. Mm -hmm. When you feel like you have this guy stopped, he – maneuvers out of the pocket and somehow makes this behind the back while doing a 360, doing a backflip throw that somehow gets a first down. You're just like, how did he do this? They had him stopped, and he gets a first down somehow. So it's going to go through him. And I believe with the way Tom Brady just sits in the pocket a lot of times, I think Andy Reid has done a pretty good job against Brady in his career when he's coached against him, whether it's with the Eagles or the Chiefs. He's always done a good job defensively. So I believe it's going to be the Chiefs that wins this game. If I put a score on it, I'm going to go, I'll say Kansas City 29 and Buccaneers 24. I say the Bucs will probably have like a 24-23 lead and the Chiefs will score but miss the two-point conversion. I think that makes a nice little fun two-minute drill ending to this game That that Tom Brady is not able to convert.
1: When these two teams faced off, right, and it was the game where Tyreek Hill went for 269 receiving yards, almost all of that in the first half. Of that game. And you have to imagine they're going to have a little bit of a different plan because even in that game, they adjusted. They ended up coming back and making a three point game. I also think it's going to be close. I think in this one, the Buccaneers are going to have the lead late in the game. And I think for me, it's going to come down to how long can Kansas City keep living, at, you know, trying to just flip that switch at the end of games. I mean, that's what they did the entire postseason run last year. This year, they're going to not want to have to do that to win the game, coming back, you know, and scoring 10 points in the last five minutes of the game or whatever the case is. I think that it's too hard for me to bet against the Chiefs. I just think even having seen them up close and just seeing the way that they've been winning over the last couple of of years, honestly, I do think it's going to be the Chiefs that win. I think that they just make the big plays when they need it, and it's hard to say that because so does Tom Brady, and so does that team. This one is so tough. I think if I was betting the spread, I would probably go with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers if I'm betting the money line. I'm probably going with the Kansas City Chiefs. So I'm going to say that the final score of this game is Chiefs 33, Buccaneers 31. A weird scoring game in this Super Bowl. I do think the Chiefs, end up pulling it out whether i like it or not but that is going to wrap things up for today's show everyone be safe this weekend hopefully you guys can find a super bowl party that has a lot of great food that's what i'm always looking for on super bowl sunday but we'll be back with you guys on monday maybe get into you know some free agents potentially from these two super bowl teams the chargers could target and maybe get into some other things as far as how the chargers could potentially get up to that level that they're seeing these guys play at this weekend but until then make sure to go give us a follow on twitter at locked on lac and to like the facebook page locked on chargers as well as following our new instagram account which is at locked on chargers as well if you guys don't already make sure to subscribe to the show with this daily format it's easy to miss a couple of shows here and there if you subscribe it's the fastest and easiest way to get the show and you can find it wherever you get your podcast from If you guys want to get your voicemails in about whatever the Chargers have going on or any questions for us, the number is 323-524-7924. We try to get every Chargers voicemail played on the show, but that's going to do it for us today and for this week, guys. We'll be back with you guys on Monday with the latest Chargers news and some great stuff to talk about, but until then, take it easy and go Bolts!